0: do want to spend a couple minutes talking some NBA. We're going to do a little counter-programming here. Uh, Some teams off to pretty good starts, some questions about the league in general. I'm going to cover that all with our next guest. He covers the league for CBS Sports.com. NBA writer Colin Ward-Henniger joins me here on CBS Sports Radio. Colin, how's the new year treating you so far?
1: Oh, it's been good,
0: man. You know, the NBA is in full swing and teams are dropping like
1: flies with the COVID protocols. But I I just want to thank you for taking some time out of this football Sunday to talk about the NBA. I appreciate that.
0: Not a problem. Uh, I'll always talk NBA. Yeah, kind of distracted, but we'll make the most of it. I thank you for uh, giving up a couple of minutes of watching to hop on with me. I did uh, catch your latest article on CBS Sports Radio. Um, everybody's talking about James Harden and the big deal between the Rockets and the Nets because it just happened. And certainly, James Harden is a superstar player, one of the best three, five, six, wherever you want to put them in his uh, ranking of NBA stars. But there were a whole bunch of other guys that moved to new teams this year, either via trade or free agency, and are making early significant contributions. Uh, Great article that you wrote. uh, Do me a favor and highlight for my listeners a couple of the guys that have really opened your eyes in new places so far. Yeah, I appreciate
1: that. Um, First one, you know, is Jeremy Grant in Detroit. And he's not a household name. He's not someone that that most casual NBA fans have probably heard of. But you need to pay attention to this guy. He's averaging 25 points a game in Detroit. Everybody basically laughed at them this offseason for giving him a $60 million contract. He's absolutely lived up to it. Detroit's not winning a lot of games. But for a rebuilding team, having a guy like that in place, a guy who's proven to be a number one scorer, uh, that's going to prove dividends and, and be really helpful for them down the road. Um, another guy who's, who's... All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before yeah, yeah,
0: you go right. to the next guy, um, I watched the Pistons play last night, as a matter of fact, and I just read about it. I didn't even realize that Grant was going off the way that he was. They mentioned on the broadcast that I think he scored 20 or more points in 13 consecutive games. I apologize for not knowing the exact number. But setting the Detroit Piston record... No player had ever scored more than 20 points in consecutive games, more than him. They've had guys in Detroit who could play a little bit, like Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars and the like. And they had never done what Grant had done, which is a huge statement to itself. He kind of got held to 11 points last night. So that 20-point-per-game thing went by the boards. Because he was held in check by Ben Simmons, who has gotten off to a slow start, but had a dynamite game last night, and I believe is one of the best defenders, might be the best defender in the entire NBA, and he kind of showed off his chops last night by uh, checking Grant as hot as he had been. Uh, Where are you on Ben Simmons? Because I do shows in Philadelphia, and he is one of those lightning rod guys. People love him and defend him to the max, or absolutely hate him and want to see him run out of town. What's your read on Ben Simmons right now? I love Ben Simmons. And the, the thing with Ben Simmons is that he just needs to
1: be what he is. You know, so many people want to turn him into something that he's not. They say, why don't you shoot threes? Why don't you take more jumpers? That's not his game. And the way that Daryl Morey has constructed that Philadelphia team now with more shooting around him with Seth Curry and with Danny Green and Joel Embiid playing at an MVP level he doesn't need to be that guy offensively. And and when he doesn't have that pressure on him, you've seen his offense has actually gotten better. He seems a lot more comfortable. He was running pick and rolls with Joel Embiid uh, late in the game and kind of took over. And Joel Embiid said after the game, like, hey, it's, it's great having a guy like this who I can trust down the stretch. Those are things that Embiid was saying before this season. And even Embiid said something's different this year. He said, I can't put my finger on it, but something's just different between the chemistry between me and Ben Simmons. So it, it seems like... Both those guys, you know, they're so young. They're starting to come into their own. And and Simmons, what he does on the defensive end just can't be replicated by almost anyone in the league. So, uh, you know, Philly, if they can keep rolling like this, they're going to be a team that's going to be reckoned with in the Eastern Conference.
0: Yeah, Sixer fans, if they heard what you just said, they'll say from your lips to the basketball god's ears that that is exactly how it works out. And they've gotten off to a very good start with the best record uh, in their division right now. We're talking to Colin ward Henniger, our uh, CBSSports.com NBA insider. All right, uh, Jeremy Grant, great. uh, I had not even known. Great uh, deep dive by you. How about some of the other guys that uh, have relocated during this offseason and are already making a big mark with their new squads?
1: Yeah, well, one guy making a big mark, but it's not necessarily a, a good mark, is Russell Westbrook. And that was, a, you know, a, an acquisition that he wanted out of Houston, and, and the Wizards wanted to get John Wall out of there, so they swapped those two. And Westbrook, the idea was to kind of bring in somebody to make Bradley Beal happy, right? Everyone thinks Bradley Beal is going to be the next James Harden, the next Anthony Davis, who who demands a trade to get out of his situation. And uh, Westbrook has not helped that case so far this year. I mean, He's been in and out of the lineup with some injuries, and obviously the Wizards got shut down due to COVID protocols. But before that, he was downright awful. I mean, he was in the 10th percentile in offense, uh, 0.718 points per possession, which for people who don't really understand, uh, that's very, very low in terms of offensive efficiency. Uh, he's, he looks like he's, he's not quite there athletically, and that's what's really concerning about Russell Westbrook because he relies so heavily on his athleticism and his energy and his motor. And this year he's had 10 shots at the rim that he's missed. Seven of them have been blocked. So, you know, that could be an early season anomaly, or it could be an indication that he's starting to get older. Those injuries are catching up to him. And, you know, he's not a good shooter. He's never been an efficient offensive player. And if he's not scoring at the rim, he's really going to hurt them. And that's going to lead to questions about Bradley Beal's future with the Wizards.
0: Understood. All right, let's talk about the elephant in the room, and that is Mr. Harden going to Brooklyn to uh, put the Nets' big three together. It's only been a couple of games, and they haven't played all that often as a threesome. Uh, Either Kyrie's been out of the lineup, or uh, Durant uh, missed a game, or took a game off for load management. Um, But they have had a couple of games where all three have gone together, and it's been, for my money, mixed results so far, Do we have to just slow our roll and not put too much analysis into the first handful of games? If so, when can we really say, "Okay, I see how this is going to work or I see how this isn't going to work. How long do we have to wait? Well, I I think we probably
1: have to wait until the trade deadline. And, And the reason I say that is, look, offensively. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden will figure it out. You know, Harden looks like he's taken a little bit of a back seat thus far in terms of scoring, but he's facilitating. He's averaging, you know, 11, 12 assists a game. Uh, they'll eventually work out that dynamic. Kevin Durant can play with anybody. I was able to witness that in Golden State over the past few seasons. And Kyrie Irving seems to be shooting the lights out of the ball recently. So I'm not worried about them offensively. The reason why I say wait until the trade deadline is that defensively they're an absolute disaster. And they were terrible before they even got James Harden. They traded away half their team, and now they're going to be even worse with him on the court. So they need to either make a trade using Spencer Dinwiddie's contract or the the, the exception that they got, or go out and and sign someone on the buyout market, which is probably a more likely scenario. So they're very thin up front. They have very few power forwards. Jeff Green's playing the majority of those minutes. DeAndre Jordan is playing center. And DeAndre Jordan had actually already been benched this year. He got a DNP coach's decision before the Harden trade. So they have a lot of issues defensively, particularly in their front court. So I, I think once they address those, we'll get a better sense of how they're going to look in the playoffs.
0: No, this is a quasi-unfair question, but caller's asked it of me, so I can ask it of you. Is this going to be worth it? They gave up a lot, and I know you can't fully answer this question basically for a decade after you see what all those picks end up being and the potential draft swaps and everything else. Um, is it going to pay the dividends that it needs to for the Nets to say this was a successful trade sometime before 2030? I mean, I I think when
1: you have the opportunity with two players like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in their absolute primes, I think you have to go for it if the opportunity is there. And the reason I say that is that Kevin Durant is playing at an MVP level. He's coming off an Achilles tear. We don't know how many years that's going to last. Kyrie Irving has notoriously been in and out of the lineup with different injuries for the last, you know, four or five years of his career. So, uh, you know, that depth was great. But if you're looking at, you know, maybe a little bit of recency bias, last year a lot of people picked the Clippers to be better than the Lakers uh, because of that depth. They say, well, the Lakers might have the two best players, but the Clippers have a deeper roster. And we see how that worked out. The Lakers with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, you just need a certain amount from, you know, any given role player on any given night. And as long as your two superstars are amazing – that's enough to win the title. So, uh, you know, now they the Nets have three superstars and they're hoping that whatever they can cobble together with the pieces around them are going to be enough. So, you know, maybe some some COVID, a shortened season, uh, maybe some of that thinking went into it. We don't know what the future is going to hold. So they decided to go all in. But look, the Nets know this better than anybody. When you when you mortgage the future and give up those draft picks and pick swaps down the road, that could lead to a, a long series of, of bleak years if this doesn't work out.
0: All right, since you mentioned the Clippers and the Lakers, I do want to jump over to the Western Conference. A couple other guys on your list. And it's a great column. Check it out on Uh The Colin just wrote about new guys in new places already paying dividends or raising question marks. Here's one I had a question mark for. The Warriors decided when Clay Thompson was ruled out for the year that they needed a, another offensive contributor, and they made a trade for Kelly Oubre. I'll be honest. I think that Oubre was overdrafted when he came into the league. He hasn't shown near enough for me. I'm not sure what people see him in him as a uh, guy who is a go-to individual on offense. Uh, and the Warriors gave a pretty good package to get their hands on Oubre. He hasn't exactly answered the call yet in uh, Golden State. Uh, are the Warriors going to regret the day that they tried to compensate for Clay Thompson's season-ending injury?
1: Well, you know, they did have a trade exception to use, and I think that was kind of the motivation behind it. They looked around and said, well, what might we be able to get? And they decided that Uber was the best possible, you know, uh, option at the time. Uh, They did want to compete this year. You don't want to waste a year of Stephen Curry uh, and Draymond Green as they're aging, you know, in their primes. So I I, I got the thinking they needed a wing. Uh, Uber is coming off a pretty good year with the Phoenix Suns. The problem with him is that he's just a, a ball of, of chaos and energy, and that translates well on bad teams. It doesn't translate well on teams that require a lot of, uh, you know, reading and reacting, uh, a lot of basketball IQ, which is the way that Steve Kerr has run his offense over the last few seasons. So you can see, uh, he just doesn't get it. Now, the shooting woes aside, I mean, he, he can't hit the, the backside of a barn from three-point range. But you expect that that's going to improve as the season goes. More concerning is the way that he's he's kind of standing out as not fitting in in this offense. And that starting lineup of Ubri, Wiggins, Curry, Draymond Green, and James Wiseman is a minus 20 in net rating this year, which is just absolutely atrocious. Steve Kerr stuck with it because he believes in the defensive potential, but offensively, they've just been absolutely terrible. And finally, after getting blown out and being down by as many as 40 points against the Jazz the other night, Kerr finally said they're going to have to look in the mirror and kind of reassess things. So maybe look for some changes in that starting lineup. And if anyone's going to be taken out of that lineup, it's probably going to be Ubrey, which might be good for him to have more of a bench role. So that chaos and energy that he brings is probably better suited for a six-man role.
0: All right. One guy who uh, did move during the off season, who I thought was a really good addition, understood the question marks, but I like the player a lot, and he's answered the bell early here this season, is Montrezl Harrell going uh, from locker room to locker room inside the uh, building out there in L.A. from the Clippers to the Lakers. I guess the best way to ask the question is... What the hell happened to Montrez in the bubble last year? Because he was terrible, but he's back playing for the Lakers in the regular season like he did for the Clippers in last year's regular season. Yeah, that's a great question.
1: And, you know, nobody really knows what's going on. But we'll say that that Montrez Harrell did have a death in the family. His his grandmother died, who he was extremely close with. Uh, He came to the bubble late. He never really got uh, any practice time with the team or able to ramp up after that, you know, three-month hiatus or whatever it was. Um, And then he ran into some bad matchups. I mean, Nikola Jokic is, is not a player that Montrezl Harrell can guard in any way, shape or form. So he was just getting exposed defensively. And if he's getting exposed defensively, he needs to be producing offensively. And yet that just wasn't the case. So, you know, As if Montrezl Harrell, someone who thrives on on kind of being slighted, needed any more motivation, the Clippers apparently scapegoated him and said, look, we don't want you back. So he happily went over to the Lakers. And so far, he's just been tremendous. He's exactly what they need. Uh, He's a scoring machine. He's not uh, running as many pick and rolls as he did. Him and Lou Williams used to have that beautiful combination with the Clippers. Now he's doing more face-up stuff. He's getting dunks out of the dunker spot. Just a ball of energy. And that's exactly what the Lakers need. They needed someone that could come in and produce while they gave Anthony Davis and LeBron James some rest. And that's working. They're, they're playing much fewer, much less minutes this year. And uh, Montrez Harrell and also Dennis Schroeder, who came in this offseason, have been able to kind of keep them afloat while those guys are on the bench. So, uh, absolutely a tremendous year for Montrez Harrell. And, you know, he's, he's looking like a, a very important addition to a team that's, that's looking to repeat this year.
0: Understood. Uh, Maybe one of the reasons why I enjoyed your article as much as I did, because you commented on a bunch of uh, players that I have strong opinions on. I saw Kristen Wood a couple of years ago come into the Sixers camp where they were on the tail end of, quote-unquote, the process when they were running guys in and out on a week-in, week-out basis just to give them a a look-see to see if they could be a future uh, member of the team when they were going to actually start and try and win games. And damn, he opened my eyes. And the Sixers decided he was not one of those guys. He's moved to a couple of different teams, but it started to kick in for him last year. And uh, Houston believed in him and uh, went out and acquired him. And with what they've done to that team, and the biggest part, uh, taking um, their two superstars out of there, uh, Westbrook and Harden. But they put Woe in the mix. So they're not awful, but they're not the Rockets that we once knew. Christian Wood is a big part of that. Is he staying, or is he a guy who between now and the trade deadline could be a key acquisition for a team that's on a championship run?
1: No, I think when, I think when the Rockets signed him, they were looking for him to be you know, a, a you know, transformative piece of, of whatever rebuild was going to take place after they traded James Harden. So I don't think they're going to get rid of Wood. The way he's played has only cemented that idea. I mean, he's been absolutely tremendous. And this is a guy, like you mentioned, Uh, those of us who who play Daily Fantasy know that whenever he was going to get 20, 25, maybe 30 minutes, get him in your lineup because he was going to (laughs) produce. And he just has this this tantalizing ability at 6'10". He can step out and shoot threes. He's an incredible finisher at the rim, not just with dunks, but a really soft touch, uh, which really looked great with James Harden. And hopefully he can get that chemistry going with John Wall in the future. Um, But Christian Wood has just been tremendous. Uh, he, He can shoot the three. He's uh, a guy who, who rebounds. He can block shots defensively. So it, it's rare that you see these guys that take you know three, four years to kind of figure it out. But when they do, and they get into the right situation, like Wood has under Stephen Silas's offense, uh, it is really fun to watch a guy just kind of blossom like that. So I think he's going to be a name that you hear a, a lot in the future, and, and he's going to be a you know possibly on that All Star level if Houston can can ever get good enough.
0: If, sa- if Sam Hickey were the Rockets general manager, he'd find a way to trade Christian Woods because uh, you, you have to <laughs> go way, pay, way, right? way, get way, way back when you're doing a process before you have to take steps forward. But that's just me letting off a little steam. Um, all right. Last thing, Adam Silver said today, I haven't had a chance to even read the article. I just saw the headline on the, the article that Adam Silver was quoted as saying that uh, he would like to get his players vaccinated to use it as a public service to get the word out that the vaccine is out there and it's viable and it's working and the like, is he really saying that with a straight face? I know there's been debate on whether the NBA players should get it. They're tremendously uh, gifted, athletic young men, whereas the vaccine is still being created and distributed and those in more need are getting it before someone, a young male and is in great physical shape between the ages of 19 and 28, average ages of the NBA, uh, I, I thought that there was a chance at some point the NBA was going to say, hey, listen, we got a billion-dollar industry. we got to do what we have to do to be able to get our hands on the vaccine, and if that means jumping a line, we got to jump a line. Is he really trying to sell it as a public service if the NBA players were to get vaccinated? You know,
1: this is a tough situation, and uh, I I think this more than anything is kind of taking the temperature of the public uh, to see what kind of reaction he got from saying something like that. Uh, He said before the season started when the topic of vaccine was brought up that the the NBA players weren't going to jump the line. And as we've seen, you know, there's obviously been some trouble with uh, you know getting the vaccine out there into the appropriate uh, age groups and, and health risk groups and things like that. Um, this thing about the PSA, I, I don't know. You know, it, it, they say that they've been in touch with the new Biden administration, and they think that you know there there is a strong contingent of, of Americans who will not get the vaccine, and they perhaps think that having these pro, high-profile uh, players and, and personalities getting the vaccine. Uh, might do some good in terms of showing people you know that hey it's all right these young healthy people are getting it you don't need to worry about it uh, that sort of stuff Uh, but more than anything i think they're kind of taking the temperature of the public to see what kind of reaction they would get if they'd say, hey, look, you know, it'd be great if we could start getting these players vaccinated. They obviously don't want to look like they're taking them from people who are in much more need. So, uh, you know, TBD on, on whether the vaccine actually makes its way into the NBA anytime soon. Um, but we do know that, that COVID has been, you know, really affecting this season in terms of shutting teams down. And that's
0: not something that Adam Silver wants, obviously. The old trial balloon uh, that he's flown up there to see how it plays. Okay, I guess I understand that, only I don't think it's going to come back with the results he wanted. Hey, great stuff, Colin. I appreciate you greatly uh, jumping away from your TV for a couple minutes. Feel free to go back and watch the uh, Chiefs and the uh, Bills since Kansas City just got a touchdown to make it a 10-7 game. I appreciate your uh, giving me a couple minutes of NBA insight here today. Of course. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Colin Ward-Henninger from CBSSports.com, NBA writer, uh, joining us here on CBS Sports Radio.